0: My name is Angie Brown, and you are listening to the Being Luminary podcast, the podcast where I get into all things diversity, equity, and inclusion with luminary guests, a sprinkling of coaching, advice, guidance, and the inspiration for you to do things differently in your organization. If you want to create a luminary place to work, a luminary experience for your clients, your teams, your communities, if you are committed to overleaping compliance and heading straight for luminary approaches to DEI, you are in the right place. You are listening to The Being Luminary Podcast, episode number 84. Welcome back to The Being Luminary Podcast, where we are in a special series featuring conversations from our November 2023 virtual summit, reimagining DEI for a new era of ethical leadership. In these conversations, you are going to hear me talking to my guests, thought leaders, educators, innovators in the field of diversity, equity and inclusion. Each window is going to be a bit of a window into our conversation, but also some of the ideas and strategies that we really feel are shaping the future of DEI. I hope you enjoy.
1: My name is Mars Lord. I'm a black bodied woman who lives on the southwest coast of, no, I think it's the southeast actually because my geography's rubbish, of England down in Margate in Kent. I'm the lead voice for black maternal health. I am a life coach and as with all things that I do, I center and I raise up black bodied women. As a birth activist, I have a keen interest in maternal health and how it works across the UK for black and brown-bodied women. So what I'm challenging you to consider as you look to spearhead and forge a new path for your business, for your work, for your organisation, is how does the health of your colleagues and employees affect your business and growth? Where and what are your policies that safeguard access to flexible working, to time and space for appointments, particularly in pregnancy and beyond? How do you address the intersections of discrimination? And once again, how do you address them when you add a layer of black? What practical things can you do? Well, the first thing that I would suggest is the thing that you hear all the time that you probably are already bored with hearing. You need to do your research. You need to do your reading. You need to do your learning. But this shouldn't just be what you're doing in your workspace or in your company space. This should be what you're doing in your personal life. Because if you are doing this in your personal life, then it will bleed into your work life. What is it that your black, brown, marginalized community, colleague or worker is asking you? Why are we making the assumption that they are being lazy and trying to get out of work? Why do we live under that continued narrative that black and brown-bodied women should be working, 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 working without rest, without pause, without stopping. Who decided this? Why is it that we can, let's take a nod to local news and pop culture, why is it that a white-bodied health professional is given chance after chance after chance after chance because we don't expect anything less than professionalism, anything less than wonderfulness about them. But a black-bodied healthcare professional is more likely to be suspended or struck off, complaints about them upheld. Imagine being that person that goes into a health appointment where your healthcare provider has a very narrow parameter to work from because of the way you look. Now take yourself, that same person, back into your workspace where there's a very narrow parameter within which you're allowed to work and express yourself. You see my earrings. You see my lipstick. You see my hair. This is not the face or the look of a professional woman. Said who? Personally, I think I look damn hot, but I do that even without the lippy and the earrings and the hairdo. But on a serious note, what are the assumptions that you make about your black and brown-bodied people and the marginalised people within your community, or within your workspaces, within your organisation? How do you ensure that your policies keep them safe? I'll give you a very recent example of when a DEI policy just missed me completely. I was in a workspace where a racist comment, a casually racist comment, so don't think that racism is all about the N word and physical violence, but a casual racist comment was dropped. And so I complained and looked for a place of safety. I needed to be in a different space than the one that I was in. The initial response was, how can we move you? How can we help you? What can we do for you? And then it was forgotten. And three subsequent times, I was put back into that space where the racism occurred. With no support for me, or no interest in how I was. But there was support for the person who had dropped the casually racist comment. Offers of coaching, and to talk through what it meant to have been the perpetrator. We see this in schools. We move the victim of the bullying, but do nothing about the bully. But what concerns me most was coming out of that situation and me emailing to say, hey, you haven't actually changed anything. To be sent an email detailing all of the policies and the way that they were learning and how they appreciated me bringing it to their attention. This is not effective DEI work. So when you look at those women, those people who are suffering from discrimination in your workplace, when you look at those people who have health issues, how are you ensuring that they get the thing that they need to enable them to thrive and flourish in your workplace? Because I promise you, when you spearhead this new brave way of working, you will find that your productivity, your, because let's be honest, we we are all concerned about it, Your profit margin is not only protected, but it increases. How do we ensure that our policies take into consideration the health and health needs of people who are seen as less than normal or on the edge of society? What is it that you can do? How is it that you can frame a policy that works not just as words on a page, but as words and actions that cause people to thrive in your company? Stop assuming it's a one and done. This is a lifelong journey. But I really want to encourage you to look at what you do for yourself and in your home. I hear people tell me all the time, well, my children have got diverse books. And I'm like, well, why don't you? Well, my children watch diverse films. Well, why don't you? So I think what I want to leave you with is actually the thing that you yourself suggested, Angela, that people remain curious What else is there to to do? How else can I do this? What promise can I give myself in this journey? And when you think, this is the thing that really upsets people. When you think you've learned everything, it's time to be dead. Because life is a learning journey. So what I would ask is that you get curious and be honest. No one else is listening. So be really, really honest with yourself and consider the life arc of yourself, your family, your friends, your colleagues, and the people that you seek to hold safe.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Being Luminary podcast, where again, we featured an episode from our November 2023 summit. I hope that it offered you some valuable insights and some inspiration. Our special series is continuing on next week where we're going to be bringing you another of these conversations which highlights a really interesting set of perspectives and innovative approaches to leadership. Don't miss the next episode. I look forward to seeing you then. This episode was presented by me, Angie Brown. Original music is by Martin Ostwick. The series is edited by Big Tent Media and produced by Emily Crosby Media.